Good morning. I'm very excited about week two of our study in the book of Ephesians. And, you know, last week I gave you three things that Ephesians was. And so I just, today I want you to focus on this one thing. What Ephesians teaches us is what new life looks like. Now, I'm just curious, anybody in here interested in new life? I mean, you can have the old one if you want it. Anybody interested in new life? Last week we talked about this one truth that your identity, who you are, is determined by your relationship. And specifically by your relationship with your creator. And and, and to kind of take that a little further, he's either your savior or he's your judge. So your identity is determined by your relationship with your creator. Ephesians chapter 2 is where we're going to be today. So if you've got your Bible or you've got something with your Bible on it, open to Ephesians chapter 2 and just kind of hang out. We're going to be all over it today. So, but but here's, here's the key thing that I want to share with you today. Here's the key verse that I want to share with you today. It's Ephesians 2. Verse 4, and it starts off by saying, but God. Anybody ever had a but God moment? Like, if it wasn't for God, then things would have went bad. Anybody ever had a but God moment? All right, well, I I hope that at the end of the day, at the end of our time together, that maybe you see that but God moment in a brand new light. But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace. You have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good news today? Will you pray with me? Father, over the next few moments, I desire, as I've never desired before, for these words to be yours. Uh, God, we pray that you anoint words that you anoint a voice and you anoint ears and hearts to just understand who you are and, and how you do things in Jesus' name. Yes. I'm going to give you something today right at the very beginning. It's profound. It's deep. And it's, it's just going to blow your mind. Are you ready? Are you, are you on the edge of your seat? You don't, you don't look like it, but I'll just go ahead anyway. Every person on the planet, All of humanity is either dead or alive. Wow. See, I don't care what Miracle Max from Princess Bride said. There's no such thing as mostly dead. Am I the only one that watched Princess Bride? Come on. Yes. There's no such thing as mostly dead. And just like there's no such thing as as being either dead or alive physically, you're either dead or alive spiritually. See, the truth of the matter is when, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in a room when that line on the cardiac monitor goes flat, but it's, it's real. And just like physical death is real, And some of you have had loved ones that you watched pass from death to life, or from life to death. What what Christ is calling us to today is the exact opposite. 
He's calling us to pass from death to life. (laughs) Ephesians 2 verse 1 says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. And Paul starts this chapter by going, Before you think too highly of yourselves, before you start bowing your chest out because you're part of the church, just let me remind you where you used to be. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. That word disobedience, if you're reading along in King James, it, it says the word trespasses. And you know what, what, a, what a trespass is? It's when you, when you extend beyond and you cross an established boundary. How many knows that, that God's established some boundaries in our lives? And everyone in this room has crossed them. So before we think too highly of ourselves, before we think about how good and holy we are and how, how, how proud we are of ourselves because we showed up at church today, we, we got, you know, got our good clothes on and we dropped you know, uh, you know, a quarter or two in the offering. Well, we can't even do that anymore because the box is back there. You see what I'm saying? Before we think too highly of ourselves, once you're dead, once you are crossing on a regular basis, your disobedience and many sins, not just one. Come on. How many of you can say, yeah, I had a bunch? <laughs> Me too. See, the truth is, before you met Christ, you weren't just an addict. You weren't just a degenerate. You weren't just an unbeliever. You weren't just a sinner. You were dead. Dead, dead, cold, dead. You were dead and didn't know it. I bet if you try real hard, those of you that are in here and your, and your life has been redeemed by Christ, you, if you try real hard, you'll remember. Now, there was a, there was a moment when you said, I, I, I've got enough of this, and I, I need to do something different, right? But there was a moment when you felt pretty good in it. There was a moment when you're like, hey, I, I'm fine right where I'm at. I don't need God. I'm good. You know why? Because a dead man's comfortable in his coffin. That's why. And I want you to hear from me this morning. Christ is offering you something beyond religion. Christ is offering you something beyond just turning over a new leaf. How many of you ever tried to turn it over on your own and failed miserably? I'm going to clean my act up. I'm going to straighten up. No, you're not. Because you're you're dead. You know, a a dead man can't raise himself. Christ has called us to something different, y'all. And that's what I want us to get today. Christ has called us to something beyond our spiritual death. And here's the sad, cold, hard truth. Is there's there's lots of people. Can I just give me my disclaimer this morning and y'all just go ahead and forgive me i i love you so much but I, I i didn't show up today to get you to like me um i'm i'm discovering it's too late in the game for that so if if i say something that offends you this morning if i say something and i, I that that calls you out of your coffin you're welcome I love you. In Christ, is, there's so many that 
that bear the name of Christ and show up in the building every Sunday morning all across this nation that are living like dead men. And Christ has called us beyond that, y'all. Christ has called us and died for us and breathed the Holy Spirit into your soul for more than that. And we've become so casual and so apathetic in our walks with the Lord. And we're too late in the game. Y'all, I, I, I grew up in a very strict holiness environment. And sometimes we look back and we laugh at those days. And I'm going to tell you the pendulum swung too far the other direction. Write this down. Christ has called us to a higher standard of living. And see, you're going to hear that, and because you've been been listening to some wrong influences, you're going to hear that Christ has called us to a higher standard of living. Yes, amen. I need to drive a better car and live in a bigger house. Stop it. Stop. You're already among the top 10% of the richest people on the planet, so stop it. That's not what we're talking about in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Ephesians 2 and 2 says, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. <laughs> Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. See, that, that first line, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. You know what that literally means? I'm going to tell you what I did. Because I'm like, God, I want, I want to know exactly what you're saying. I, I looked at every word in that line. And here's what it literally means. There was a time when you regulated your life according to the standards of those who are alienated from God. In other words, there was a time when you adjusted your standard of living according to those lives that were alienated and far from God. Welcome to 2022. Because that's exactly what our... He's called you to be different than the culture. Followers of Christ should never regulate the path of their life according to the standards of those who refuse to obey God. It's not how it's supposed to work. All right, before you think I'm beating you up too much because you're like, okay, then I can't do it. I, I, I fail too often. I can't do it. I'm going to tell you there's a big difference. There's a big difference between someone who longs to please God but falls off the path. There's a, there's a big difference between that guy and someone who has no intention of living accord to God's standards. Big difference. Big difference. See, if I were to be really mean this morning, I'd tell you to raise your hand, but I'm not going to. See, I, I bet you that if we had everybody in the room raise your hand, if since you met Christ, you've told an untruth, there'd be a lot of hands up. 
I bet you if I asked everybody, you know, Jesus said, if you look at the opposite sex with lust in your eyes, then, then uh, you've committed adultery in your heart. I bet you if I asked for a poll on that one, we'd get in a lot of trouble. <laughs> There's a big difference between Dwayne trying to please God and missing the mark. It's still sin, right? And someone who has no desire at all to live according to God's standards. And, 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 and so I guess what I'm asking you to look at is, do you still have a desire to please God? Because if we read that verse very literally, if you don't have a desire to please God, then, then where is your influence coming from? Because he said, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So if, if I've lost my desire to please God, what Scripture just told me is I'm more influenced by the evil one than I am my heavenly Father. And I don't want to go there. The truth of the matter is, God's standards in 2022 are counter-cultural. I have some bad news for you. The cancel culture has come for Pastor Dwayne. The cancel, I'm getting canceled. Can I explain it to you? I'm getting canceled. See, I, I, I went on this little social media search uh, for the phrase exvangelical. And it's folks that were part of an evang evangelical church that have deconstructed their beliefs and no longer believe like they used to believe. And, and many of them, especially women, point to a, a particular culture that took place in the 90s and early 2000s. And it was a big part of... Anybody go through the, a, a youth ministry in the 90s and 2000s? Guess what? We're getting canceled. Because we promoted an oppressive culture called the purity culture. How dare we? How dare we try to tell teenagers that God's way is the best way? How dare we? And, and oh, by the way, this group is calling out youth pastors from the 90s and the 2000s, canceling us. I've been, I've been canceled. How dare we tell teenagers that, you know, really God's plan is the best plan. Really what ought to happen, young men and women, is you, you, you stay a virgin until you get married and then you live in a monogamous relationship the rest of your life. How oppressive is that? And, and listen, I get it. God's way works, y'all. <laughs> the idea of abstinence before marriage and monogamy after marriage has not only disappeared from our culture, it is disappearing from the church. Christ has called us to a higher standard. Because he doesn't want us to enjoy our life? No, because he wants us to have a brand new life. <laughs> You don't understand, Dwayne. You don't. I just, I, I can't help myself. I can't help the things in my head, and I can't help what 
I can't help. You know, I'm, I'm going to this website, and I know I'm not supposed to, but I just, I just can't help myself. Stop it! I can't help how I look at this person that is in my life that's not my... I can't help it. Stop it! Stop it! But I can't. Yeah, yes, you can. If Jesus is in you, you can. If you can't, then maybe you need a little more Jesus. Here, here's the hill I'm going to die on, y'all. There's a standard. And it's that book. That's why we're doing that. That's why in the beginning of the year I said God's word is going to be a lamp for our feet and a light to our path this year. Maybe next. I don't, till, till Jesus comes, y'all. That's why in a few weeks we're starting a brand new fall campaign called 40 Days in the Word. You know what? That's not a, that's not a catchy title. It just happens to be what we're going to do. We're going to spend 40 days learning how to get, get the most we can out of God's Word. Because there's a standard, and Christ has called us to a higher standard. It's not popular. It's not sexy. It just happens to be the truth. It is counter-cultural. Look at, look at the idea of, of self-sacrifice. That's so void in our culture. We are the selfie generation. Do you know the front-facing camera was not invented until 1998? You know, you know what a, a portable camera looked like when I was growing up? It's on the screen. That was it. That is a Polaroid SX-70, young man. And, and you, would, you would pay about, I don't know, whole, whole, it seemed like a whole lot of money at the time for nine little picture things that you put, took a picture and it spit it out. And then you took it and, and y'all remember that? Anybody remember that? And then you got your picture. And if it was blurry, oh well. Now, I, I told you that silly story to tell you. There, there's a, now listen, y'all going to look at my social media, you're going to see as many selfies as you do anything else. But, but so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not telling you not to go, post, Dwayne, I can't post it now, Dwayne's going to see it and he's going to tell me I'm living in sin. <laughs> but, but, but I, I, I guess from a, from a spiritual perspective, from the way we live our life, maybe we need to turn the camera around. And be more concerned with who's on the other side than we are who's staring at us in our front-facing camera. I, I forget the statistic, but I was, I was reading this. It, it's amazing how many of the pictures that we take today are single-person selfies. And, and I, I do it too. But, but just, can, can we just, in, in our minds, in our hearts, turn the camera around and be more concerned with who's on the other side? Or maybe, maybe get somebody in there with you. And let's, let's, let's recapture the idea of what self-sacrifice 
looks like. See, that's what Christ has called us to. And oh, by the way, unless you haven't read the first four books of the New Testament, his whole existence was about doing something for you. And if there was ever anybody that deserved the attention on him, it was him. And what he did and what he's calling those who follow him to do is to turn their attention on somebody else. Well, you just don't understand how, 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 how bad things are for me. And I need a little love for me. Here's what, something I promise you. And I don't know how it works. But if you'll take your negative place and you'll start serving somebody else, you'll start saying no to you and yes to somebody else, you'll be amazed at how God's take care of your stuff. Christ has called us to a higher standard. Well, nobody's, nobody's doing it for me. That's, that's not the point. It's not the point. You do it for somebody else. Christ has called us to new life. And oh, by the way, you can write this down. Christ has offered every dead man new life. Is that good news? Yes, yes. Uh, let's, let's focus on the word new. And to help illustrate that, I'm going to tell you about a brand new way to make pizza. First of all, I know this is going to be different than what most of you are accustomed to. Well, of course, most of you are accustomed to going, oh, can we bring me a pizza? Brand new way to make pizza. You take, take dough. And you flatten it out in a circle till it's thin and uniform. And then you take tomato sauce and you spread it all over it. And then you know what you're going to do? I know this is going to be a stretch. From, you're going to take mozzarella cheese <laughs> and you're going to sprinkle it on top of the tomato sauce. And then, oh, it's just a it's, it's just a freak show of what you do now. But here's a brand new thing that, that maybe, they, they have this, this spiced meat. It's a pepperoni. And you can, you can put it on there, and then to, t- to finish it all off, you're going to slide that boy in the oven, and in just a few minutes, you got a pizza. What kind, of, what kind of life are we talking about? If it's not different, it's not new. If it's not different, it's the same old life. You're like, I ain't heard a word you said now, I'm starving. So I'm, I'm going to read our our key text one more time, and I want you to pay attention. See, Paul spends three verses telling you how sorry you were, how sorry I am, and how sorry we were, and all the trespasses and many sins. And if you, if you stop there, humanity's in a pretty sorry state. If you stop there, we're in a lot of trouble. He didn't stop there. He said... But God, being rich in mercy, watch this, 
because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, oh, here it is, made us alive together with Christ. The same God that raised Jesus from the dead after three days made you alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The two most powerful words in that passage are but and because. Why? But God, because of his love. Why why do I have a new life? Because of his great love. Because I turned over a new leaf? Nope. Because of his great love. But aren't you in trouble? Yes. But God. Because of his great love. (laughs) Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Where would you be? Where would I be? But God. We would still be dead in our trespasses and disobedience and many sins. We, we would be quite comfortable in our coffins. But God. You know what you ought to do? You ought to lift your hands toward God right now and thank Him for the great love that He loved us with by sending His Son, Jesus. God, thank you. That while I was dead in my sin and quite comfortable in my coffin, you loved me with a great love. For that we give you praise. Thank you, Jesus. And here's, here's where it gets better. If we keep reading, here's what we're going to learn. That only God can turn a dead man into a masterpiece. See, verse 8 of chapter 2 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. See, here's how we would write that verse. God saved you when you joined the church. God saved you when you started paying your tithes. God saved you when you, you know, quit smoking, drinking, cussing. God saved you when you, you know, started coming to Sunday school like a good person. God saved you when you believed. What does it take? God saved you. When you believed, and you can't take credit for this, when your work, it's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. And if you stop reading there, you're like, okay then, I got nothing to do. I'm good. He He doesn't stop there though, does he? He said, for we're God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. See, so I, here's what I, I, I need you not to do. I don't want you to misinterpret the word masterpiece. Because here's, you know, when we, we preach that and we teach that, and it's, it, it, it makes us feel good about who we are. And so now we're like, Hashtag masterpiece. Can I tell you that that's, that's not what that verse, what that word means? So I, I wanted to try to illustrate that. And so you know what I did is I brought three masterpieces on stage with me. 
One of them is, is something that I, that's very cool. How many know Pastor Dwayne's a Bulldog fan? Well, uh, this is mine and you can't have it. Um, my buddy Scott, one night at Fifth Sunday Family Night, took a paper plate and a big pen and drew that. And handed it to me. And he's like, and I'm like, on a, on a paper plate with a big pen, because I don't know about y'all, if you gave me 17 big pens and a stack of 550 paper plates, I would never get there. And so this stays on my shelf with all my other cool bulldog stuff in my office because to me, that's a masterpiece, right? Any, any of y'all could do this? Yeah, I didn't think so. And, and here's another masterpiece. Anybody love a little John Smoltz from back in the day? Now, somebody, this is what, hang on. Ain't that cool? That's why they call it a bobblehead. Yeah, now you know. See, if you don't know, now you know. But see, well, I got a whole bunch of these. Thank you, Lori Johnson and Billy Bonner. I got a whole bunch of these. Um, and and it, it just amazes me how they can, you know, make this caricature into this, you know, sculpture, you know, exaggerate their, their head, and it's just cool. You know, it took somebody a lot of time and effort and energy to create that, right? I couldn't do it. Uh, and so, you know what I do? I put this on my shelf. It's a masterpiece. This is also a masterpiece. My son Mikey gave me this. Actually, he didn't give me this one. He gave me one just like it that I had to replace, and that's a whole other story we don't have the time for. <laughs> but here's why this is cool. Um, have you ever, you know, had a, had a task to do and you didn't know what, what screwdriver you needed? Doesn't matter. You know why? Because it's got all sorts of them in here. <laughs> Switch it out. Look at that. How cool is that? You can't have it. It's mine. <laughs> right? And it just stays right here. So if I got a little task to do up here at the church, I don't pack a whole bunch of stuff. I'll bring this. Because it's, listen, listen to the precision. You hear that? And if you get it up in a tight space and you, you know, you ever had to take the bit out, find it, twist, take the bit out. You don't have to do that. It's, how cool is that? Every guy in the room is like, I'm going home and ordering one right now. <laughs> this is a masterpiece. But it's not designed to sit on a shelf. You're a masterpiece. But you're not designed to sit on a shelf. Look at what the Bible says. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You're not designed to sit and look pretty on a shelf. You're designed to get busy. In fact, many translations don't, don't use the word masterpiece. You know what word what word they use? Workmanship. You're designed. God saved you by His great love, because of His great mercy, but He saved you to do something. And I'm afraid we've become quite content just letting our heads bobble on a shelf. Yeah? 
So before you get enamored with that word masterpiece, you, you look a lot more like this than you do a work of art. God uniquely puts you together for something. God uniquely worked you out and formed you together in your mother's womb for a purpose, to do something. So my question for you this, this morning is, do you want to be part of a great revival? Before you nod your head, I want you to search your heart. Do you want to be a part of a great revival? Do you? Because revival looks much different today than it did 30 years ago. You know what your responsibility was for 30 years ago? You showed up. Came to church. Maybe invited somebody to come with you. It's not how it looks today. This revival will require more of you than that. And I do believe that there will be one. I believe that with all of my heart. But it will require more of you than just showing up. See, I rem it, in, this, in my youth pastor culture that's apparently getting can canceled, I'd hear teenagers say something like this. Well, I don't, know how to, I don't know how to tell people about Jesus. I'm like, don't worry about it. You just bring them here, and I'll tell them about Jesus. You just get them in the door, and I'll tell them about Jesus. Y'all, that tide's shifting. You know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to tell them about Jesus. You're going to have to tell people about the amazing thing Christ has done in your life, and then bring them with you. It's going to require more of you than it used to. See, used to, I could get teenagers to bring their friends just by telling them, hey, we're going to have pizza. Right? People are not going to show up for pizza, y'all. They're not going to show up for our K-cups and our jelly and our gift boxes, even though it's good. Y'all know it is. You're going to show up when God's people begin to do what they were designed to do. To share the goodness of God and the great things He's done. You've got to learn how to tell them the why behind the what. Come to church with me. Why would I want to do that? I don't know. Pastor Dwayne said for me to invite you. It's not going to work in this revival, y'all. You've got to know what you believe. So I'm going to give you four steps. Four steps to a new way of living. Four steps to a new life. That's what I want you to take home with you. Number one, get out of your coffin. And maybe I'm talking to, to two or three different kinds of people here, but I, you're either... Let me choose my words carefully. Donna sang this song, and it talked about a surrendered life. And if, if you're in the room or you're watching online, and you, you could honestly say, my life is not surrendered. 
you're still trying to hang out in your coffin. You, you want the blessings of a new life, but you want to sleep in your coffin. And I'm going to tell you to get out of it. Well, I don't, I don't know if I can. Yes, you can. Um, because, oh, by the way, you're not going to do the work. You're going to surrender your life to Christ, and he's going to do, he's going to do the rest. I'm, I'm not sure I can quit doing X, Y, Z, fill in the blank. I, come on, somebody. What's Philippians 4.13 says? I can do all things. So stop. you. Listen, stop saying you can't and start saying you won't because that's what it really is. Yes, you can. You just won't. Number two, pay attention to the boundaries. Now, now listen, I, I, don't wanna, I don't want you to misinterpret what I'm getting ready to say. I've been following the Lord for a long time, and, and I haven't had a perfect year where I didn't cross outside the boundaries. I hadn't had a perfect month. Hadn't had a perfect week. I'm not sure I had a perfect hour. Come on, somebody. All right? But here's, if Christ has indeed called us to a higher standard, then we need to pay attention to the boundaries. If there are things that God said stay away from them, let's stay away from them. let Let me make sure you heard what I said correctly. There's some things that God said stay away from. Stay away from them. We, we can spend a whole lot of time talking about convictions and what, what the Word of God says and, and uh, God says stay away from. Uh, can I flip that around? If there are things that God said you need to be involved in, get involved in them. That's right. See, that's the lie of the devil, y'all. Think about it. God placed Adam and Eve and eat even. Adam. <laughs> Adam and Eve in this perfect garden and said, look, you can have it all. You can have it all. Do whatever you want to do. All I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to put a boundary around one tree. And guess what they started focusing on? The one tree. Listen to me. Christ has offered you an abundant, rich, eternal life. There may be some boundaries. So stop focusing on what you can do and live the life that he's called you to live. Stay away from the boundaries. Be sweet to people. I'm a little sick of Christians being mean to each other and mean to unbelievers. Stop it. Stop it now. Stop it now. Number three, walk in new life. Walk in new life. In other words, start regulating your life according to a different, higher standard. If I'm not saying it plain enough, that's the Word of God. That's your standard. Will you, in this life, measure up to it? Probably not. But you know what I want to do for the rest of my life? is I want to regulate my life according to that standard. And if I miss it, guess what? We will re-regulate our life. We'll, we'll, 
we'll step back and, and evaluate where we went wrong. Donna, come on. And lastly, y'all, Some of y'all are too young to remember uh, the PTL scandal in the late 80s. But it, 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 keeps a, it keeps a, I don't know, whenever I hear about it, I get a little cringe in my heart. And, and frankly, I get a little angry um, because my dad sent money. And if you don't remember, I'll, I, I don't want to bore you with the whole there was this organization, the PTL program, had built this great big amusement park in, in North Carolina and with all these high-rise hotels. And it was, there's water slides and roller coasters and the whole big deal. And the idea was Christians were going to camp out together and ride roller coasters and stay in hotels and go to conferences until Jesus comes. And I'm so glad that it blew up because that's not what God called us to do. Listen, I love it when we get together. I saw where a group of y'all ladies took off last night and went out to eat together. And I, I, I see that on Facebook and I'm like, that's so cool. I'm not sure why. I didn't get an invitation, but, you know, that's okay. That's a whole other story. Ladies. You know, oh, is that what it was? <laughs> oh, okay. I guess that's fine. But I see that and, and we need those moments together. We need to come together like we are this morning and, and, and break the bread of life. And we need to fellowship and we need that. But can I tell you, ultimately, at the end of the day, your job, it's, it's a part of this church. Yes, and I hope you're volunteering. I hope you got things to do. But what we're really called to do is to come here and get equipped to go out there and be salt and light to a world that is dying and quite comfortable in their coffins. So the last thing I'm going to challenge you with is a new way of living is to get busy. Get busy. Get busy. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what God's called me to do. Read the last three verses of the book of Matthew. Go into all the world. teach and preach and make disciples. That's what he's called you to do. That's what he's called me to do. Get busy. When I'm, I'm struggling with some areas in my life, get it fixed. Get busy. I don't, I'm not sure I can. Yes, you can. If you want to try to tell me that you're more powerful than the authority and power of the Holy Spirit, then have right at it, but it's a lie. Whatever junk you got in your life, God's bigger than that. Whatever stronghold you have in your life, God's stronger than that. And if you live a life surrender, guess what He'll do? He'll help you. He'll strengthen you. His power will be made perfect in your weakness, is what the Bible says. Get out of your call. Pay attention to the boundaries. Walk a new life. Get busy.
I want you to bow your heads with me. <laughs> I, I love that line that this new song they've been doing. It says, your goodness is running after, running after me. You, you notice there's not a line about God catching you? You know why? It's lunacy to think you can run from God. If he's after you, he'll catch you. So today, here's how I want you to pray. I, I want you to look at those four steps, if you will, that I gave you. Get out of your coffin. Pay attention to the boundaries. Walk a new life. Get busy. I want you to pick one of them. The one you need the most. The one that resonates with you the most. Maybe you hear and you say, Dwayne, I paint on a smile, but I'm living in a coffin. Here's my challenge to you. In this prayer, I want you to throw every care, every sin, every disobedient act, every trespass on the cross of Christ. Let the blood of Christ forgive you your sin and get out of your coffin. Maybe you say, Dwayne, there's some boundaries that I'm crossing. I love Jesus, but I'm crossing some boundaries. And I need the help and strength and power of the Holy Spirit to stay away from stuff I know that God has called me to stay away from. Here's my challenge for you in this closing prayer. Surrender your life to the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you need to know more about the Holy Spirit, you need to bring your fanny here on Wednesday nights. We're talking about it every Wednesday night. Surrender your life to the Holy Spirit. Lean on His power to stay away from those boundaries. And when you feel weak, call on Him. Call on the strength of, of, of the Holy Spirit to help you stay away from those boundaries. Number three, maybe you, maybe you say, Dwayne, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm just, there's, I just don't feel like I'm living the life that I'm supposed to live. And be challenged as we are in this month of August to regulate your life according to the standards of God's Word. And lastly, Dwayne, I'm just not doing anything. I'm not, I know God called me a masterpiece, but I'm just sitting on a shelf. I'm going to tell you, to surrender to God in this way. God, if if you'll put it in front of me, I'll do it. It's a dangerous prayer, y'all. Don't pray unless you mean it. If you'll put it in front of me, and I know it's you, God, I'll do it. The the answer is yes. Before you ask the question, God, the answer is yes, I will, I'll do it. Here's a blank check for my life, I'll do it. But I'm telling you, don't pray if if you don't mean it. But some of you need to pray a prayer just that dangerous. So we're going to pray together. Pray right where you sit. If you need to kneel around this altar, you can do that. If you're, if you're watching online, I challenge you to just make your chair an altar. Let's just see what God wants to do in our life. Let's pray together. Father, in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus, God, we thank you that you have offered every man, every woman, every teenager, every child, brand new life. And it looks nothing like our old one. For that, we're grateful. 
thank you for new life. God, now we surrender to that new life. We get out of our coffin. We walk in the newness of life. God, we recognize that your word has established boundaries for how we're going to live on this planet. And God, most of all, you created us. You made us a masterpiece. Your workmanship is displayed in us, and we are called to get busy, and that's what we want to do today. So God, the word is surrender. We surrender our life, our sin, our trespasses, our disobedience, our stubbornness, our pride, our lust, our envy. We surrender it to you, O oh God. And God, we come to you in humble repentance. God, forgive us of those times when we have quite intentionally stepped outside of your boundaries for our lives. But God, thank you that the blood of Christ cleanses us from sin. We receive your forgiveness and now are determined more than ever to walk in new life. God, I pray that you show us someone that we can share our story with, that we can give them the why behind the what because we want to be part of a great revival. We want to see people and families transformed by the blood of Christ, cross of Calvary, the precious Holy Spirit. We declare with our voice that we need you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can we end this service? Will you stand in on your feet? And here's what I'd love you to do, man. I heard, I heard the, a beautiful choir behind me when we were doing this song today. Can you just lift your voice? Your goodness, oh God, is running after me. Will you just sing? And let's just end this service in a moment of worship. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Here it is. With you, my, my life laid down, I surrender now. I give everything. you everything. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Just once more. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after. It's running Hey, if you mean that, I want you to offer the Lord an ovation of praise. Thank you, Jesus, for running after us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, make sure you turn those connection cards in. Let us know how we can help you pray this week. God bless. Have a great afternoon.